The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The attacks that we're seeing right now are because of previous battles we've allowed the left to win. I'll say that again. The attacks we are seeing right now are because of the previous battles we've allowed the left to win. We didn't push back on certain things. You know, we were always trying to reach around across the aisle. I mean, it's amazing. I know, I I meant the reach around comment. (laughs) It's the reason for that. But I'm Adrian Slade, by the way. Thanks for tuning in. And what I mean by the attacks that we're seeing, what's happening with the Supreme Court nominations? Well, we never pushed back when Robert Bork was being destroyed by Ted Kennedy. When we had these crazy hearings where they basically destroyed a great conservative and they were successful. They were emboldened at that point. When they got rid of Robert Bork, It was such a messy hearing that was unbelievable. But when they shoved him out and then we ended up with Kennedy, that was something that they said, wow, we did it and we can do it again. And ever since then, we've had these insane hearings. You know, we've got Clarence Thomas and they're talking about a pubic hair on a, you know, on a coffee, on a cup of Coca-Cola. And they're talking about him watching porn movies and they're talking about some Anita Hill affair that never even happened. All because they were looking to destroy Clarence Thomas and get him out of the way. So now we got the freakouts that we had last week. You got Cory Booker up there. I'm going to break the look. I'm going to break the law. I've broken the law. By the way, did I mention I broke the law? And you know, another thing I broke the law Um, or I broke the rules. Now, you're not a rebel without a cause or a pause. You are a fraud, a rebel with a fraud. I mean, Cory Booker, you've got Kamala Harris out there. They're all just grandstanding, trying to get viral video clips for their presidential run. And now the new thing today is Kavanaugh. Ooh, he might have been perjured five times. He lied under oath. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So this this is how they get there. But you know what's even funnier about this is guess who debunks that assertion? Vox, of all newspapers, or not all news outlets. It's funny because somebody, Cincy Browncoat, at Cincy Browncoat on Twitter, he put up a, a tweet the other day, which is the most credible news organization out of the bunch. And I think it was, it was an interesting list. Infowars, uh, Vox, um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but... The thing about it is I went with Vox and I had to say, well, here's the reason. Guess what? It's because they actually did one story where they debunked the cost uh, or the cost savings and showed the over expenditures of what would be democratic socialism. I'll give them an A for that. You know, same thing happened with this one where they've actually credibly reported and covered that this is all a ruse. It's no perjury. It's unbelievable. 
And listen to this. They, so basically what they're saying is um, that there was an email. There, were, there was a couple of things. First, they're saying about Judge William Pryor. Um, he was somebody that Trump was considering for Supreme Court um, for the vacancy to which Kavanaugh is being appointed. And during the confirmation hearings for the D.C. Circuit in 2004, Kavanaugh claimed that he was not involved in handling Pryor's nomination for President Bush. Pryor had been appointed the year prior. He added, I am um, familiar generally with Mr. Pryor, but that was not the one that I worked on personally. Now, this is where they say he perjured himself because they said that when he spoke with Patrick Leahy and what have you, he said, hey, I, you know, I didn't know much about him. And then they say that in the um, Tara Goshlin said these new emails that came out from 2002 and 2003 show Kavanaugh discussed the vetting process for prior with fellow White House aides. In one case, another aide asked Kavanaugh. How did, the, uh, how did the prior interview go? Kavanaugh responded, call me. And apparently he tried to say that there was some fraudulent emails that were released and he wasn't aware of them. And now they're saying, oh, he was aware of them. Well, law professors, this is uh, Miriam Baer, law professor from Brooklyn Law School, was contacted by Vox. And this is how they handled it. They said neither of these two cases meet the high bar for perjury prosecution. The first instance, wherein Kavanaugh said that he was not involved in handling Pryor's nomination, isn't even clearly false. The question that precedes it is a lengthy question from Senator Kennedy. One could argue that Kavanaugh thought Kennedy was asking whether Kavanaugh played a major role in the vetting process for Pryor or discussed specific constitutional doctrines with Pryor. Thus, Kavanaugh's answer, no, I was not involved in the handling of his nomination, is truthful insofar as Kavanaugh understood handling to mean in charge or either vetting the person or shepherding that person's nomination through the Senate. And then come to find out he didn't realize that whatever was emailed over to him that were the fraudulent emails were even fraudulent. So, I mean, most of the other ones that were interviewed by Vox said the same thing. But we've let them win on that stage. And so now every time we have a Supreme Court nomination, we get this crap. This is the same. This goes back to my initial statement. The attacks we're seeing right now are the ones because of previous battles we've allowed the left to win. Think Watergate. The news media generally, yeah, they were always against the right because they've been infected over the years. In fact, the Democrat Party has been pushing progressive since the Bolshevik Revolution. They were infected way off. I mean, the Republican Party to an extent, too. But the reason why the Democrat Party was targeted so hard is because of their lust for, con- for state control. And so that it coincides with the ideology, you know? But the Watergate, that allowed the left to be a kingmaker. They were emboldened. They were like, wow, we made a sitting president resign. And so now every Republican president is going to, get treated like Trump did, like George W. Bush did. It's unbelievable. I mean, the media has been playing kingmaker for years. So why is it that they love big government? I believe it's because they want to be subsidized. I believe CNN would love to be BBC so that it can have the crappy ratings that it has, yet never suffer the revenue losses. And by the way, 
Who is paying for CNN? How do you have ratings like this? I remember when I worked in television decades ago, you had to be on your game for sweeps week. You needed ratings and that affected your bottom line. Who's paying for this? I mean, horrible ratings still rolling along. But see, we're allowing the media to do this, these things to us. We're allowing the left to destroy Supreme Court nominations. And the pushback is finally starting to happen with the administration of Trump to a degree. And so that is the reason why you have a Trump presidency, <laughs> you know? I mean, the one quote that I kept hearing bandied about all weekend, and it was odd that, you know, that they were all saying it on random different places. It was the Benjamin Franklin quote of, you know, somebody saying, hey, well, what, what, kind, what do we got here? He's like, we've got a republic. If you can keep it. Well, how are we keeping it? <laughs> are we destroying the nomination process, which we shouldn't even have hearings that shouldn't even be a thing. But we're allowing the left to destroy anything that we push through. I mean, not me as we, because I'm pretty independent at this point, And I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I'm going to get to my views on independent uh, mindset that I have these days as far as politics go. But are we going to allow them to destroy the republic? To, to turn it into this democratic socialist Hellhole? I mean, think of Chicago. Hasn't had any sort of Republican leadership since the 30s. About a century ago. And the place is in disarray. Completely in shambles. Lawlessness. I mean, because the leaders down there are self-serving and they don't care. And so you get what you get. And I mean, that's happening all over in any sort of urban bastion that has been completely run by Democrats from years back, this is what you get. And to allow them to push into the mainstream, into the federal sphere, is dangerous. We can't allow them to gain power. That's why I'm going to end up voting most likely straight Republican ticket this year. And you got to get out to the midterms because this is how important it is. Because at least I know the people that I'm trying to put in power, they might be, you know, greasing their own wheels, but they're not actively on the march to destroy everything I love about the country, everything I love about my faith. They're not actively looking to destroy culture. They're not actively looking to destroy freedoms and natural rights given by God. The left is. <laughs> so we need to put some people into power that will at least do like, you know, when you see the the old, uh, you know, the old shows like uh, the Little Rascals where they have the one kid who's swinging and you've got the guy, the older kid who's put his arm on his forehead and he keeps him from getting too close. But the guy's still swinging. That's what we're doing with the Democrat Party. And they're being they're being purified into complete communist. And so we need to get out and vote on voting day for the midterms because it's going to be very crucial that we keep them at bay and do not let them gain one bit of ground. Back in just a moment. This is Adrian Slade. 
A republic if you can keep it. Benjamin Franklin, basically, our governance is is dependent on us. You know what I mean? It's it's how we want the country to be designed. Yes, we have a framework. Yes, we have what the founders put in place. But we have the ability to amend this constitution and do whatever we want to with it. And it comes down to two different viewpoints. Where do you think your rights come from? Do they come from God? Are they natural rights? Or do you think the state divvies those out? And that's the dividing line. Do you make the state your God? That is where the crux of the division is. And that's why you're seeing the freak out over the Supreme Court justices. Because the Supreme Court to the left is the judgmental wing of their God. You know, the taxes or the tithes to the First National Church of Gov. You know, the, the presidency is the, the power and the employment of the will of their God. But then they have to make sure that their morality is codified and bolstered up. And that's what they do with the Supreme Court. So they're freaking out right now because of Kavanaugh coming into play. And Ben Sass. I'm hit and miss with this guy. This guy can speak eloquently. He can make the case for conservatism like none other. But then he doesn't do anything. He doesn't even try to issue some legislation. I mean, and now he's talking about leaving the party altogether, but that could be just political grandstanding as well. But I do like hearing him speak because he makes a great case for conservatism. That's what Marco Rubio did. If you watch the primaries... Marco Rubio would get up there and speak, and he knew about conservatism. He, he could spell it out. He could eloquently lay it out. But guess what he did? Uh, gang of eight, much? He always sided with McCain. He always sided. I mean, I, I don't understand what, it, what Rubio does. I don't get what he does. Because he sounds like the most Tea Party conservative Guy in the room when he talks, but then he legislates completely opposite. So, but Ben Sass made a good point when he was talking about the judges. You know, he said, you know, it's jerseys on left, jerseys on the right. If judges are wearing the red jersey or the blue jersey, that's a problem. Then we should have term limits. Well, Sass, why don't you introduce some of those term limit provisions? But anyways, that's the thing. He's right, though. Because at that point, you've just got politicians making the judgment calls. And that shouldn't be the case. And yeah, you know, I'm sure he's talking about Amy Barrett and conservative justices just as well as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who she's got a a biography coming up. It's going to be the fastest biography known to man. It's going to she's going to walk into the room. She's going to pass out for 30 minutes. And then the media is going to talk about her 82-year-old workout regimen like, you know, like she's some Wonder Woman, Captain America figure. She's an 82-year-old brittle lady who doesn't even understand the Constitution. It's, eh, yeah, it's too old. We need a newer, we need to model after newer constitutions. But I'm sure he's also talking about Amy Barrett as well because she was so conservative. And when I think about that, I think, well, when a conservative... Supreme Court justice, like 
one that Kavanaugh, you know, is a Bush appointed one decides to legislate from the bench like John Roberts did changing, you know, a law to a tax to a law to a tax for Obamacare. I'm going to clean up your your legislation with some different angles. You're not supposed to do that from the bench, but he did it anyways. And that gives some, you know, gives some editing to constitutional laws. We have to make sure that the people coming in are solid because of that reason alone. And my guess is Kavanaugh will be impartial based on what I'm hearing from him talk, even though he's not, he's more rhino-ish than I would want. But he'll uphold the letter of the law. And that's really all I need. And if that is truly the case, then we should be fine with that. But just as the left questions him about hypotheticals and seeks some, you know, pre-agreement that their pet laws won't be targeted for being overturned now that they don't have any power, they don't have any way to stop it based upon his judicial history, we need to be sure that he isn't malleable and that he won't be shaped into supporting things that aren't legal interpretations of what should be their role. But see, beyond that, that's why I'm not affiliated with any specific political party. That's why I don't get excited when I see a Gorsuch or a, a Kavanaugh. That's why I don't get excited when I see a Ben Sass talk or even Ted Cruz, even though I backed him for the presidency, because I'm not attached to people. You know, again, the reason why I picked, uh, I picked the GOP in elections is because they're not actively wanting to destroy and reshape the values and things that make this country great. They're not actively out there hoping to destroy the system and turn it into something that we it was never founded upon. They'll they'll just grease their own wheels and they'll be somewhat progressive, but they're not advancing the ball in Hail Mary fashion. I mean, the left has been incrementally chipping away at the foundations of this nation for over a century. Education began at the church. And the church was where the community would unite and congregate. While even though the most important reason was to be there to worship the Lord, it's how we also communicated as a community. It's how we taught our children with each other's help. It's also how we helped others in need. But the state took that over. They took over education. And then they booted the Christian God all the way out. All the other religions, yeah, their gods are okay. They can be in the building. And now we have courses in toxic masculinity, which is another attack on, on the patriarchy, which is something that was established by God in the book of Genesis. I'm not trying to go on a, 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 you know, a preaching sermon, but if you look it up, he spells it out, and they call it the patriarchy. <laughs> Charities. Yep. Charities were taken over by the state or by organizations that didn't want any affiliation with the church, and God was booted out of them. And now, organizations like the United Way fund organizations who actively oppose Christian values. So, But we have to realize, we are in the world and not of the world, at least for me. Some people don't subscribe to what I believe in for my faith, so they don't understand. And that's fine. You go with what goes with you. But for me, we're in the world, not, you know, we're not of the world. And all the pleasantries and amenities that the world divvies out to us, such as candy in the form of sinful activities available to us, you know, we have to choose whether or not we want to participate and consume or not consume. I mean, it's basically the forbidden fruit test, and the left doesn't care about that test. In fact, they want to either promote those worldly 
amenities and those things to engage in, or they're just going to explain them away as some sort of illness. Their moral standards can be shifted from left to right, even turned on and off like a light switch. I mean, the collection of humans that thought freedom and God-given natural rights were very important and was necessary, this is why I have allegiance to my nation at the moment. But again, we are in the world, not of the world. And I can tell you right now, the moment that they decide to destroy those things, change them, reshape them, make them into something that goes against everything I believe in, my allegiance is done. I mean, the Constitution is our firewall. It's the thing that keeps the government from stepping into our realm. It's the thing that protects us between our God-given rights and our being. So when, you know, the government, it's not saying, hey, you have the right to free speech because the government gave you right to free speech. It's saying you have the right to free speech because God gave it to you. And guess what? The government is now going to put a standard that says, I'm not going to step over it. You have the right to defend yourself. And that's not given out by the government. That is a God-given right given to you. And the government cannot step all over it. But we've destroyed all of those. We're in a post-constitutional world, and I'm going to make that case here on the other side of the break. But I just want you to see, you know, the right to be able to do anything that's laid out in the Constitution isn't something that is granted by government. Government doesn't give these permissions. Government restrains itself, and that's the firewall that we need. And that's why if that firewall is changed and even weaponized against us, my allegiance ends right there. Stick with me. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. Ms. Powell of Philadelphia asked Benjamin Franklin, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? Without hesitation, Franklin responded, A republic if you can keep it. We can't keep it. Look at how things are going right now. I mean, it doesn't even seem like we want to keep it. You know, this past Tuesday, we remembered the 17th anniversary of the horrific attacks, the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And I remember my story wasn't really that amazing of, you know, basically... Not that it's about me, but when I tell it, it's, you know, I was a spectator. I, I didn't live in New York or in D.C., although I lived in an area where the uh, response jets would be called from. But basically at the time, you know, I was working late. I was a bartender at a restaurant and, uh, you know, left late, late, late that night, got home, saw... I, you know, you don't just go straight to sleep after work like that. So, uh, you know, winding down, watched whatever movie was on. Oddly enough, it was Passenger 57. And then I flipped it over at the time to MSNBC because they were, it was pre-socialist takeover of MSNBC. And they had these things called uh, Headliners and Legends. Tim Conway was on there, was talking about the Carol Burnett show and the, and the comedic genius of Harvey and, and Tom, uh, you know, Tim Conway. And what was funny was I fell asleep with the TV on and was immediately woken 
to the second plane hitting the World Trade Center and seeing America under attack. And, you know, one of the things that I remember in the following days was getting on the interstate, driving away from Oceana Air Base and seeing just a sea of vehicles, cars everywhere, trucks. They all had American flags. There wasn't one driving that did not have an American flag. And at that time, it was unity. We were united. I remember the days before 9-11 being just as disgusted as I am right now with special interest squabbling and what have you. And 9-11 happens, and for months, we are completely united. One nation under God. And what ends up happening? 17 years later, you know, look where we are. I mean, never forget. Well, many have forgotten, or many don't even care to recognize it. And that's why I've been saying, are, are we able to keep a constitutional republic? Do we even really care? I mean... Are we even a constitutional republic anymore? I mean, I would assume that we are, you know, on paper, especially given how the country was given a real-time demonstration of the Electoral College at work in this last election. The, the beauty of the Electoral College, the fact that it equalizes the vote across the fruited plain, whether it be your Manhattan, you know, uh, up, uptown hipster locality down to Nebraska, you know, I mean, everyone's equal at that point. But you know what? Now we get people complaining about the Electoral College and how we should do away with it. I mean, that's something that the left cannot reconcile themselves with. But we seem to be only a constitutional Republican name only. I mean, let's take the amendments and how we drop deuces all over them with no reprisal. I mean, we are in a post-constitutional republic, and it's why... It's why when the election was happening, I was nervous about who we should choose. I mean, it was really, you know, you had 16 candidates. And when the first name was out, it was Ted Cruz. He's the first to throw his hat in the ring. And the great thing about Cruz was he was a go-to guy for the Constitution. He had the understanding of the Constitution at the tip of his tongue. And that was one of the reasons why I initially supported him near the end of the primary. He wasn't even the first pick that I had at the beginning of the primary. But the thing I liked about him was his quick knowledge of the Constitution, the fact that he understood it, the fact that he analyzed his decisions through it. And after eight years of Obama just basically destroying and defecating all over the Constitution, uh, we kind of need somebody that was going to focus on that and bring it back to the forefront. You know, and then... And then other people started getting into the race. But the one thing I liked about Cruz was his he, he had that wherewithal to stand against things. You know, he would do a filibuster and shut down the government when he has zero support behind him from his own party and read green eggs and ham and to his kids and and basically show that um, we need to be fiscally responsible. Um, he didn't care about that. So I knew he could weather some storms. But we had other people that showed up that were just as just as weathered. I mean, Scott Walker in the beginning, I liked him simply because of the fact that he was the example of conservative policies put into play. He took a Democrat state that was completely in shambles, implemented conservative policies. He had recall attempts that he fought against. He had people that had their uh, his supporters had their houses raided. 
And he continued to press on. For me, that was awesome. And the fact that he could be a shining example of somebody who was in a governing position, implementing the right policies and showing the success, I thought was a no-brainer. It's like right there. You've got a guy who's done this. He can do that on a state level. He can do it on a national level. You know, I mean, then you had Rand Paul and, you know, Marco Rubio. You know, Rand Paul, he could get out there and speak the most libertarian. I mean, he could make the case for libertarianism better than anyone else, better than the entire libertarian party. But then he made deals with Mitch McConnell. You know, you had Marco Rubio. He can make the Christian conservative case and speak it just as well as Ben Sass does. And what happens? He does Gang of Eight, things like that. I mean, <laughs> it's that. And, and so when Trump got into the race, it's not that I didn't like him. It's the fact that he had no record. And the things that I could base some sort of record on, stances in the past, whether his positions in, in certain interviews and what have you, it, it left me nervous. It's the fact that when he get, gets up there and we're talking about Parkland, um, maybe we should have co gun confiscation before due process. That, that, that doesn't work. You know, that's something that Ted Cruz would have run through his mind in a split second and said, yeah, we can't do that. Due process has to be at the forefront. But the fact that the policies that are being implemented Net neutrality being removed, the Iran deal dis disintegrated, tax policies, moving the embassy to Jerusalem for as a Christian, that was an honoring to God. <laughs> so if you don't understand why that's a big deal to a lot of us, that's because we recognize what the Bible says is the true capital of Israel. And so... You know, all of these things have made me turn my position and my stance on Trump a little bit different. But I don't put him up as a golden calf. I don't put him up as an idol, and I don't worship everything he does, because that is not the role of the president. It should never have been. We got everything backwards. We should not be looking at the president like it's an American Idol contest and like he's uh, King Trump, you know, or King Obama or King you know, Mitt Romney or King Bush, he's going to get us out. He's going to fix everything. That's not how it works. Not, I mean, you've got a Congress. You know, you've got separation of powers. You have a judicial branch. And the fact that we're stressing out over a judicial branch selection of a justice, um, that's, uh, then again, too much power is giving to the Supreme Court. Too much power is focused on the presidency. We're not a monarchy. We are a republic, if we can keep it. We are not ruled by judges as they were back in Israel in the early days. So the fact that we're allowing judges to dictate policy, the fact that we are placing so much power and faith in the presidency is completely backwards. We need to reevaluate how we look at these things. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we in a constitutional republic? What about the Constitution? Let's go through the amendments. Free speech. You can be fired. You can be doxxed and have all of your personal information spewed online by somebody because of your speech. And I'm not backing up, you know, the free speech idea in social media because they are social media companies. Like I said before, we have to find a way to find a neutral platform that we can all come together on that has new tech to it, that is highly innovative, 
a step forward from the Twitters and the Facebooks to where everybody shows up on both sides of the aisle and not fear that the organization that runs it is going to pick a political side and shut that other side down. But I'm talking about speech in general. We're attacking people for anything they say, anything they've said in the past, anything we're bringing it up, and then we're getting them fired from their jobs. We're having people threatened. I mean, think about religion. What about the cake baker? If we're going to sit there and talk about freedom of religion, do we really have freedom of religion? Can we decide that we don't want to take our talent and use it to make a customized, you know, customized I, uh, thing, you know, a, a part of a ceremony, I guess that's the best way to say it, and utilize our, uh, you know, go against our religious beliefs to engage in a ceremony that we don't agree with? Yeah, you can come in the restaurant or you can come in the shop and buy a pre-made cake. Those are available to everybody. Gay, straight, black, white, I don't care. But if you're going to call me up and say, hey, I want you to use your talents because you're so good to make a cake that glorifies what I'm doing. And he goes, hey, I don't really agree with that. You can go find another cake baker because there's plenty of them and my religious beliefs don't go with that. And we're going to have this guy destroyed destroy his business, have him sued into financial ruin. And then when he wins, yeah, we're going to have, you know, a transgender guy who's a lawyer, by the way, they leave that out, come knock on his door and make him go through round two. So do we really have freedom of religion? Do we really have freedom of press? Now, everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, Trump says fake news media and down with the media. But he's, he hasn't weaponized the government against him. You know who has? Barack Obama. Polygraphing reporters. Hacking into Cheryl Atkinson from CBS's computer. She watched it in real time as they're implementing, you know, tracking devices and yanking things off of her computer. I mean, who was really good for the press? I mean, I'm, this is why I get nervous. This is why it's a different show this week, because I was reflecting on a lot of things, especially through uh, 9-11 and the confirmation uh, of the Supreme Court justices and thinking, do we really have these freedoms that we go on and on about? Do we really think that we are the nation of freedom, the bastion of freedom that we truly believe that we are? Or is it just on paper? Is this just something we give lip service to and then we go about living our progressive lives for big government. We're going to get into the others after the break. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So I was going back through thinking about the, the quote from Benjamin Franklin over the weekend and throughout the week about, is this a monarchy? Is this a republic? Do we even have one? Or are we able to keep one? And I was thinking about the amendments. You know, we went through. We don't, have, we don't really have freedom of speech. We don't really have freedom of religion. We don't really have freedom of press anymore. What about assembly? What about when Antifa shows up to attack conservatives who are, you know, they're, they're doing peaceful protests, the Patriot's Prayer protest? Now, some would say, well, Antifa is not a government group, but... Yes, think of it this way. What about the mayor? 
What about the fact that the mayor allowed it to go down? What about the fact that the governor in the state where the mayor has his incidents go down decides to tell law enforcement to look the other way? Yes, we don't have freedom of assembly. When incidents like Charlottesville showed up and we had all the racist, which was just a handful of them, and then you had all the Antifa people there, Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, told law enforcement, state troopers, hey, don't intervene. The mayor, the vice mayor, was actually a pro-Antifa guy. So put that into the mix. You have a dangerous situation where no one is getting protection that they legally should. So again, Antifa being allowed to legally go through and beat the tar out of people with law enforcement being told to look the other way by the governors and also by the mayor. Yeah, we don't really have freedom of assembly. What about the right to bear arms? They've been on that attack for ages and we've whittled them down by allowing them to add all these provisions, you know, waiting periods and uh, magazine capacity or what have you. They've, you know, it's unbelievable what we've allowed them to get away with in, in order to make some sort of compromise, you know, but there's, there is no compromising with them. I mean, what about, what about due process? Actually, before that, let's go with illegal search and seizure. We've already had the NSA spy on the entire nation. They've gathered up all types of data. I mean, in fact, we're learning now that certain contract, private contract companies, even though it's not out of the norm for private contract companies to work in in tandem and in concert with the FBI, but we found out recently now that they've allowed some to continue to mine through the NSA databases even after their contract with the FBI was up. I mean, so who knows who's getting access to all of our information, but we allowed it. I mean, think about what's going on with the president. And I'm not going to use his name so that you understand the gravity of the situation. Think about the fact that a private citizen, you, me, my father, your neighbor, Somebody that wants to make a difference wants to run for public office of this nation. And so he starts to run for office. And what happens? Well, they end up taking information, faulty information, gathering up crap crap information, mixing it in with some stuff that might have some credibility to it, launder it through multiple different channels, through certain agents, through news media outlets, all the same information, making it look like it's coming from completely different independent areas, using that to get a warrant through a court that is designed to be a protection against terrorism, to look at foreign influence and be able to use a warrant to monitor and investigate foreign influence on domestic relations, And they don't even vet it. They just rubber stamp it and go. And they're allowed to use that to spy on the private citizen who's running for public office. Was that not illegal search and seizure? And now he's being investigated for just about anything under the sun. Now we get a special counsel that's completely biased. The FBI agents that are that are being used to conduct the investigation are biased Everything about it is complete garbage. And all we get out of it is a low-level Trump employee 
a low-level foreign advisor getting 14 days and a $9,500 fine. Or a former campaign manager being brought up on charges dating back to 2005, 2006. Yeah, that's illegal search and seizure, gang. What about due process? What about the Me Too allegations? What about the fact that people are losing jobs over somebody just coming forth and making an allegation against them, making a claim that they did something wrong? We're, I mean, we're seeing this on a regular basis. We don't have due process. I mean, it, you can see it, it, what happened with Roy Moore. Where are those ladies now? They're gone. Vanished. Where are, I mean, there's people being pulled. Les Moonves just got pulled out of CBS. Matt Lauer, and I'm not even defending these people. They're all progressive leftists. But due process never goes into effect. We have to accept the claim as gospel. What about states' rights? We're federalizing everything. I mean, we, that was, that's the argument with those against Roe versus Wade. It's not an abortion or not abortion argument. It's don't federalize it. Let the states determine it on their own levels. That's what a localism is about. That's what federalism is about. You on a local level get to decide as a community what your policies and your laws and things that you want to have, you know, be illegal and, and, or be completely fine with determined on your area, not on the federal area blanket for everyone to, uh, to deal with. But that's what they want. They want total control and they have to do it through a strong federal power. But think of this. Think about the, um, the, the fact that there is a House of Representatives. They're there based on population size, districts. You know, you get, you get representation on that end. But what do we do with the Senate? We basically said, okay, we're going to turn the Senate into a, a long-term popularity race. And you get two for each state. Well, here's the thing. We've basically neutered the state legislatures because of it. Because the original design was the state legislatures, who were also determined on representation, population, districts, and what have you. Well, the state would then go, okay, here are the two appointees. And that's why they had a long-term limit, because it wasn't something that was going to be a lifelong appointment. It was going to be something determined by the state legislature. Well, now we turned it into a population, a popularity contest, and we now have a, a more minimized role of the state legislature. We've done that with all types of elections. That's why people don't care about the school board elections, because we've federalized it. I mean, so we don't have, we don't have the Tenth Amendment we, I mean, so I can go down the list and show that there is no constitutional republic. It's only a name only. And the fact that you have to then go, okay, the president's not a monarchy. The judicial branch does not rule over us all. And we should not be looking to human beings to be the ones to bail us out or to be the ones to be our savior. We're in the world, not of the world. And that's why conservatives really value the natural rights that are given by God. But it's also interesting to watch the left has taken off their mask. They've shown that they're true socialist. You know, socialism is basically the government, you know, running the means of production. That's the definition. 
And, you know, statism, some have argued, well, it's statism to have big government policies. But what is going to be big government policies? Health care? Are we going to have them run it? You know, schools? I mean, they're going to means of production in some form or fashion. Are, so socialism and statism is about one and the same. And the true goal has been to get to that point. So when they're going, oh, I'm a democratic socialist, uh, what does that mean? You're just, you just like big government programs? No, eventually you want the government to control it all. And they're trying to pretend that they don't. And that's the real part that, that gets me the most, is the fact that they're completely out there acting as though this is, a, this is a fundamental part of America, and they're mad that it's being rolled back. That's why they're freaking out. That's why they're wearing vagina skull caps that looks like Grandma Eunice made. That's why they're out there protesting at Kavanaugh's confirmation, because they're big government statists that want to control everyone's lives. And the fact that we're fighting back against it because we understand that this is not what this country was built upon. It was built upon natural rights given to you by God and the firewall of the Constitution being set up so the government doesn't step into it and encroach upon your liberties is the fundamental bedrock of the United States. And we're not going to let them move in and take it over. That's why getting out and voting is going to be crucial in the midterms. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to us every weekend on Mojo 5 the new platform for libertarian, conservatarian, conservative talk. Also, check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, and various other podcast platforms. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Also, you can donate patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, $2 a month or whichever amount you wish. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. We'll see you guys next time.